Escape Pod, and if you've never tuned into the show before, welcome here. I'm your host, Josh, and our co-host today is Blake. We're going to be chatting all about the Bad Batch episode 11, as well as Star Wars Visions. We're going to be elaborating on it a little bit more at the end of the episode, as well as Dave Filoni's six-inch action figure. We got some of that sprinkled in there. Yes, Dave Filoni is getting a Star Wars action figure for uh, his character Trapper Wolf in The Mandalorian, and uh, that'll be released at Hasbro Pulse Con later this year. Let's dive into all things Star Wars in just a moment. Stay tuned. Another happy landing. Welcome back, sir. Oh, you're muted. Hi. There <laughs> good you to be back. <laughs> yeah, always good to be back on the show. And what a great episode of Bad Batch to talk about. Yeah, I, this honestly, this was uh, this was such a highlight for me. This one because we've we've been talking about whether or not this show is ever gonna go off to the side and do its own thing with other characters, which is what something that Clone Wars did, and now finally Bad Batch is kind of doing that. I guess we spent enough time with the core group that they're like, they feel they're feeling a little more comfortable that we can now finally explore other areas. Not that we didn't see them in this episode, but I thought that was pretty cool that, um, that, uh, we were able to do that finally. Yeah, no kidding. It's, I, did, I did find it very funny that it was exactly last episode of this show that we talked about wanting them to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's almost like Dave knew exactly what the fan base wanted and he timed it perfectly. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, let's not, let's not forget. Dave does just stare at us do this podcast through the window of my place. I mean, he's he always out, out he's always out there watching. Yeah. Um, he's, he's like out there right now. He's, I, I, I believe I, I, I see a hat. I see a hat. Oh. All right. Let's, let's let him in. Shall we? All right. Dave, Dave, you over there? Hey Dave, come on in. All right, come on in, come and get close to the mic. All right, it's all yours, Dave. Hey, what's up, guys? Holy moly, I can't believe that Dave Filoni himself is in the house. We got so many questions for you, Dave. Oh man, I, I've been waiting for ages to talk to you, about, guys, about this one. It's 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 a, it's a good one. By that, I hope you mean you weren't waiting for ages outside Josh's door. Ah, uh, you know, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Fair, fair. There's a lot of traffic out there. So, so Dave, tell me, how did you know that this this was the moment to bring back Hera and show us a, a young Hera and kind of her aspiring to be a pilot and stick it into this show, which has only been about the Bad Batch up till this point? 
Well, you know, the the first episode introduced an early young version of Kanan, and and we thought, well, how great would it be to have a young Hera and a young Chopper, and you know, that was that was the pattern with George's films, and that's the pattern that I like to stick to. Yeah. I wonder then, are we going to see other young characters as well? Yeah, Maybe. we might we might see a young Grogu at some point. They look the same. <laughs> I suppose he wouldn't look any different, would he? In this no, medicine, no, not really, not really. Maybe a young trapper wolf you know, gets sucked <laughs> into the rebellion by Chan. Who knows? We'll, we'll figure it out. I mean, you guys do like to reuse your models and assets. That's for sure. It's a huge money saver, you know. You don't want Kathy knocking on my door in the middle of the night. You know? <laughs> or Just Bob Iger overspent. I yeah. I know I Bob keep my job. Oh, Bob, you know, nice guy. But man, if you spend a dime over budget, I tell you, yeah, next he, day there's a phone call. That's what I hear. He really rules yeah. with an iron fist, that's, that guy. That's right. All right. Well, good chatting with you guys. Oh, I'll be outside. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> Dave, thanks for joining. Thanks so much. Yeah. All right. See you guys. There he did, goes. Did he go all through your patio? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> He has, a, he has a ladder. He just climbs down from the, to the top floor from my that condo. Makes sense. Just, yeah, out on the yeah, street. That's Dave. So he's, he's going a, against oh. the stream, real free thinker. Oh, uh, man. He's, he's, after he's, George. A, he's a lone wolf. A lone wolf. <laughs> no trap in that wolf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No trap in that wolf. Oh, I should have asked him about his new action figure. Oh, man. Okay. Well, we got to talk a moment about this. <laughs> if any of you guys didn't realize, Trapper Wolf, Dave Filoni himself, is getting a Hasbro six inch action figure under the title of his character from The Mandalorian, Trapper Wolf. And uh, I'm not too entirely sure when it's going to be available, but the pictures look sweet. I think the only thing it's missing is his hat. But yeah, you know, they went, with the, yeah they went with the in-universe character of him. And I don't know. I I still feel like it was. They should have done it. Like, they should have done it. Because like, the only reason why he's even getting an action figure is because they were like, how cool would it be to do Dave Filoni's background character as an as an action figure? That's so true. He had lines. So it's not like yeah, he's totally he, background. Right. Yeah. But, honestly, I really wish that. In the show itself, when him and the other pilot get out of the X-Wing in Mandalorian, uh, when they're season two, episode two, when they're landed, right after killing the big spider, and the cockpit's open, and they they talk to Mando, Dave should have put his hat on, and then his hat would have been canonized. Yeah, he should have. Just sitting in the X-Wing, put his hat on. Well, I mean, and and cowboy hats aren't you know, completely out of the question. I mean, Cad Bane wears a cowboy hat. Yeah, that's right? exactly it. Of a, so, of a type. Yeah. Does that mean if you want a canon Dave Filoni action figure, you have to buy both Cad Bane and Trapper Wolf and then combine the two? That's right. You got to buy <laughs> Trapper Wolf and stick Cad Bane's hat on him. And then you got <laughs> Dave Filoni in a, as a six inch action figure. But I mean, who wouldn't want that? I, mean, I, probably, like, I feel like, yeah, the, like Paul's son, hang uh, Paul's son, Young Lee's uh, character in mm-hmm. it was the one with the majority of the lines, right? Yeah, and you know most people recognize him from Kim's Convenience, but uh, it was awesome to see him in that. He's not getting an action figure just yet, so I mean, They're gonna I feel like to. the only oh they'll make it for sure. I think if if Dave's getting one, but I feel like Dave got it first just because it's Dave, right? Just like Dave, yeah. Why not? Sure. Why not add the hat in there? Yeah. You're making it just because it's Dave in the first place, you know? Uh, like, I'm sure people hat. at Hasbro were like, "Wait, this is Dave Filoni." 
and everyone loves like all, all these people watch Clone Wars for the last ten years. They all know who he is and they all love him. And this was his like cameo debut. Yeah. If we make him as an action figure, everyone's gonna buy it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm sure that's what the boardroom meeting was. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Uh, but yeah, super cool. I'm going to be in line to get that when it comes out for sure. I want a Was little it? Dave Filoni on my shelf, you know, I hope it comes out before force Friday. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, knowing Hasbro and their announcements, uh, scheduling and stuff like that, it'll be like sometime next winter or whatever, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> they'd like to get the hype out early. Oh, so, oh, so early. Yeah. So that by the time it comes out, you've already forgotten. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then it's a surprise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they get so to true. surprise us twice. Yeah. Yeah. They know. They know. <laughs> they got soft figured out. Hasbro knows. Okay. All right. So, yeah. Devil's Deal, the 11th episode of The Bad Batch, released uh, July 9th, 2021, as the seeds of the rebellion foment on an outer rim world, which is Ryloth. The Empire schemes to squash it. And uh, <clears throat> this was this was a very interesting episode. I mean, we got Hira Syndulla, Chopper, you know, the whole the, pretty much the whole gang of the, the Syndulla family show up in this episode. And from the get go, too, it's not even like we didn't need to wait anything like it was it, Bad Batch wasn't even in it until like three quarters of the way through. And, and they basically uh, had a cameo. They just showed yeah. up for like two minutes. Yeah, exactly. And then we had Crosshair's uh, small part through the the episode but you know this is the episode where i'm like this is the template that i think this show works really well for right yeah agreed yeah i, I think it's funny because we like we we're talking about earlier we were thinking that this was the one thing they really needed to make a feel more like clone wars yeah because yeah, clone they, wars they needed, yeah clone wars had multiple different storylines going on simultaneously with different characters and that allowed them just like a film like a modern day film to follow the different storylines that kind of jump between them where as opposed to rebels as well as resistance they didn't follow that same setup and you're always following the exact same characters and it started to make yeah. things feel a little bit more repetitive yeah for sure and yeah. you couldn't deal with time jumps as well because you had to always be following these characters all the time. Yeah. Yeah. In my own opinion, I think Clone Wars is the the pinnacle of any of the animation shows so far. <laughs> no bias and there, though. I'm a, I'm a little biased just because <laughs> it is. I mean, it is my favorite. But, I, it, but I mean, I think out of the three... I mean, you know, it's uh, well, to be fair, I mean, resistance really is age, aimed at a different age group. But um, the, when Clone Wars was first being established behind the scenes, uh, there was an actual there was actually an interview with George on the Jimmy Kimmel show, I think it was. And he actually said that Clone Wars was going to be targeted at 13 year olds and it was going to be a PG-13 show. And I, I, I don't know. It, it works differently with TV ratings, with age and stuff like that. But it was more or less uh, targeted for that age group. And by the end of the show, when it does get pretty dark, it's pretty clear that it's for a slightly older, older audience than, than Rebels. Yeah. And Rebels was on Disney XD. It was clearly for seven or eight year olds. Right. No, that's so, a good point. I think part of that is when they started the show, it probably was targeting 13 year olds. And then as they aged, the show aged as well. So you think it's it could be could be even more i guess on tv standards if there's yeah like more. i'm saying like it slowly got darker over time just as yeah. the original fan base grew yeah. up 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all, all the Star Wars films kind of exist between the PG and the PG-13 status. Um, with TV, it's a different rating system. But yeah, it's like Clone Wars is definitely the darkest out of all the animated shows that there are. And uh, in my opinion, it's the most enjoyable. And one of those main reasons is because we got so many different storylines in like some of some of the favorited storylines out there don't even have the main care characters or crew in it right i mean no that's true yeah it's it, that's what it was able to pull off and now this one in bad batch i mean this is something we've been talking about something hoping that they would do or feel comfortable doing once we get to know these main characters as a core group uh i you know i feel like it's time to kind of move away from that and focus on these separate storylines that you know by all means use characters we've seen before but like really kind of continue the legacy of clone wars and carry into this new timeline right this new spot in the timeline where there hasn't really been too many stories that have been told yet in the canon no i agree and i think this will be an excellent way to do it because one thing i really disliked about the the net following shows is it was very focused in and I feel like you missed out a lot on the bigger perspective of what's happening. And I want to know a lot of the details across the galaxy of what's happening during the transition period from the Republic into the empire. Cause I think there's just so many interesting stories there because not everyone yeah. is just going to go along with it. And we're seeing that in this episode. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, you know, what I love so much about, about, Ryloth and the Twi'leks is this is a this is a story arc. Chamsundula has been a been a character with a story arc ever since season one or two of Star Wars: The Clone Wars, which is a long time ago. Like you know, I remember this very distinctive line that he had when he was talking to to Mace Windu, and it was the first arc that we ever met Chamsundula, and. Uh, was it was his name Al Alfred Ta the the senator yeah, of, of Ryloth yeah yeah so he uh, him, him and Cham have always been at odds because Cham has always felt like you know the senator has this comfy chair rules Ryloth from a million miles away and uh, it never really gets his hands dirty and Cham is the one that's the leader on the planet that the people actually respect and the one that really is doing everything he can down to like blood, sweat, and tears for his people, right? Which is why in this episode, he's got so much leverage over the people of Ryloth. And uh, something I've always remembered from those early Clone Wars episodes is a line that he says to uh, uh, the, well, I forget which clone commander it is, but it was the one that was with Mace Windu at the time. It's not the one that we see in this episode, it's someone else. But uh, he says, uh, how long before I'm fighting you, Master Jedi? And I think like I really like that because Ryloth at this time is occupied by the droid uh, by the Trade Federation, mm -hmm. and they're trying to kick them off the planet. And the Republic comes in to help, but Cham recognizes that if the Republic comes in to help, they're going to stay there. And they're going to continue to fend off the Separatists from their now new border of, yeah. of territory that they've claimed in the war, right? And, you know, to be fair, Ryloth is part of the Republic, but it's uh, it's it's always been a very touchy situation with even though they're part of the republic it's not like they want clone troopers walking around all over the place right no, of course not right so yeah so it's always been a touchy touchy area and and now we're finally at the point where the republic has turned into something bitter and you know cham 
Cham is, is he's a bit burnt out, I think. Like, I like this new Cham because the one that we met in the Clone Wars was very, very uh, war-centric. Yeah, and, e- uh, eager to fight, I would say. Yeah, eager to fight. And he's just lost the fight in him, right? He doesn't, he, he wants the people to just lay down arms, except, except the fact that they've got peace, everything like yeah, that. Yeah, and part of that, I think, is also, like he said himself in the show, that they did all this fighting and it was for this. So if they don't like yeah. stop now, they'll be fighting for forever. Yeah, yeah. At some point, you know, the the guns must be laid down and the fights the fight's over, right? And it's like, like to to me, that's like one of the big like biggest differences like in that is it's not bad to be armed as a country to defend yourself but to no longer be at active war right yeah and to me in his like i actually agree more with the his friend or goby yeah goby more in that perspective where surely the war is over but why would then the one make themselves vulnerable to be attacked again and be defenseless right 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 yeah exactly because because as we can see the the empire is essentially demilitarizing them by taking all their guns away it's exactly and, which uh, normally normally when you do that it's to a conquered nation that you yeah. conquered yeah like, and, and that's exactly in, they would take yeah. over and they would demilitarize you so you can't fight back right exactly and that's exactly what's happening and Gobi sees that but cham doesn't and it's because the fight in him is just he's so burned out with with fighting right and 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 he just wants there to be peace now that the clone war is over he's like oh there can be peace but he doesn't realize and i don't think he's at the point where he can actually accept the fact that that time has actually come where he will be fighting his defender because that's good that's the second war that's inevitably going to come right and and it's something that was uh hinted at his own dialogue early early on in the clone wars you know, how long before I'm fighting the Republic? How long, you know, is he going to be before he's fighting the people that came to save him in the first place? Because now they're overstaying their welcome. And now those same people are demilitarizing them, taking their guns away and basically putting Ryloth on a leash of relying on the Empire to defend them against nobody. Yeah. It was really cool to see a character like Hera show up as well in this situation that that her uh, her father's been been fighting in the Clone War for years. Probably and, since uh, she was born. She's yeah, there, yeah. Well, I mean, the Clone Wars lasted three, three and a half years or something it was. And she looks to be about, uh, I don't know, 13, 12, 12 yeah. maybe. Yeah, about the same age as Omega. Right. And so, yeah, she was she was uh, even younger, like eight, seven. Yeah. Uh, pretty but young. Like very core <laughs> years, though, for children. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, not an age that many of them tend to remember too much of later on, right? And uh, and so you know she's introduced uh, into this concept of an empire ruling her homeworld, and uh, you know it's very interesting to see that Gobi, who's out of, has always been Cham's kind of best best man as far as uh, looking out for him goes. He Gobi was like a, a high ranking. Um, one of the people that Cham mm-hmm. just relied on as a leader in the military. Yeah, seemed to be his right-hand man, right? Yeah. His yeah. lieutenant. To yeah, in the militia general. and stuff. Yeah. So, um, so Gobi's kind of the one that's still in his heart. He's still carrying the fight. And he's already fighting against the Empire in a way because he's like, oh, well, we have to get rid of all our guns. I'm just going to get new ones. 
And so yeah, he's been <laughs> smuggling some weapons. Yeah, not um, even 24 hours later. Yeah, not even. Yeah, not even. Right. And uh, and I like how Hera's kind of sucked along for the ride. She's already been doing some little jobs for him, spying on the clones and everything like that. And and she's already playing a part in the rebellion at from like such a young age. And and uh, it's really quite uh fascinating just because she's a huge ranking like she's a general she becomes a general in the rebellion right and so like it's such a a cool thing to see that she's already kind of yeah heading in that direction so early on in the beginning of the empire right so you can already see just at this age there's already this this spark that's been ignited of her hatred of the empire yeah like the empire has been around for less than a year and they've already like accused her her family of treason right they arrested her for just flying a ship with her i guess what she would consider to be like her uncle or that's her dad's friend she's just she just wanted to fly a ship right she's like she was gonna walk away and and then gooby you get that wrong? <laughs> Gobi. Gobi. I was going to let it slide. Gobi sounds pretty as as, funny. As soon as I said it, I'm like, oh, that was wrong. <laughs> yeah, Gobi. It's like, oh, well, you know, I was going to let you fly the ship. That's too bad. Man, man, might as well make us call him Gooby because, like, <laughs> during the episode, he's a scumbag, man. Like, like he is he, pretty scummy. Hero was taking all the heat from, uh, from what's-his-face, the Imperial guy, and uh, and he just doesn't say anything. Like, like she, you know, they're, yep. they're going. Yeah, yeah, they're like, Take her I, away. yeah, they're accusing her dad and everything. It's like this is all his fault. Like you know, sending his daughter on a mission. Of course, he's involved, and like he's already rebelling against us, and this and that, and this and that. And Gobi's just standing there, being like, "Yeah, this whole thing was my idea, but I'm not gonna say anything. I'm just gonna let this girl take the heat." Like, yeah. like well, what the heck is up with that? Like, I mean, maybe he was thinking they're not gonna, you know, Gobi. They're not gonna accuse a kid or punish her anyway. I mean, that's what the. The uh, the commander was saying there. What was his name? Commander Hoser. <laughs> Hoser. That's what he said, right? It's like, oh, it's just a kid. But they're like, no, we have to prosecute her to the full extent of the law of treason. I just want to take a minute to acknowledge the fact that, you know, this is a Canadian podcast. And uh, one of us has just mistaken the name Hauser for Hoser. Commander Commander Hoser now. That guy is such a hoser. How did you get that from Hauser? <laughs> <laughs> Should I call him that for the rest of the show? Oh, absolutely. It's it's Commander Hoser now. There we go. I got it. It's a Google. You know, actually, weirdly enough about the commander, uh, I noticed that he didn't act like most of the other clones have been acting yeah. lately. You notice that? I he did. Was nicer. I did. He, wasn't, he was nicer. He felt like an actual pre-Order 66 clone. It's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, which was odd because all the other clones were like, no question, do the order. Even if yeah. it's like assassinating children or whatever, or Jedi. Yeah. And he seemed to be really hesitant. And I don't know if it was just because he was getting orders from the senator. And he's used to serving uh, with General Sandula, right? Because they've right. been fighting together for the last three years. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I uh, it, it's it's tough to say because like you know I, I he's not modified as far as we know and, uh, and he looks who, like he's an original clone. Yeah, he looks like he's a reg, right? So I don't know. It's it, who knows, right? Like maybe maybe we'll see uh, this period of time where the clones 
I don't know how these things all work, right? So maybe at some point these things will start to lose their effectiveness the after chips? being already activated. Yeah, yeah I was wondering that like too. That. If it, it, anything could happen because they've already introduced the fact that they could dial up the effect, the effectiveness of these things, right? Because they already yeah. did it in Crosshair. So, so maybe they slowly wear out over time or maybe, maybe there's yeah. more that were defective in the first place. Maybe. Yeah, it's possible. Maybe, yeah, maybe it, it, it felt as if the way the episode ended, it felt as if we're going to definitely see him again. Yeah, he seemed because like to me, he, remi- he reminded me a lot of Rex. Yeah, he did. And I wouldn't be surprised if he turns on the Empire. Right. Yeah. Just an, another one. Yeah. Yeah. He, he honestly he looked very uncomfortable with the way things were going. Yeah, he did. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he also didn't want to turn in Hera, right? No. Because they're, they're, they're friends. Him and Cham have fought together for years. And yeah, it just felt different about something different about him. So I, I liked that a lot. They added that in. Um, not all of them have, are gone, I guess, as far as the chip goes. And uh, it's funny how yeah, it's, we'll, it's we'll find never- out. It's never regular troopers. There's always people in commanding positions. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I know, right? It's just like, it's just the trend. Um, no normies allowed. I thought it was pretty crazy that uh, the senator died. This is a character that has been around in the live action films. It's been around since beginning of Clone Wars all the way up until now. And Crosshair is the one to shoot him in the in the head. Like, yeah, that was, that was nuts. nuts. I did not expect that at all. I did a quick so. research on him, and apparently it was alluded that he was killed in the Lords of the Sith book. Do you remember that at all? I couldn't remember from the Yes, from the I, book. I actually was going to bring that up. Uh, not the illusion of, not the alluded to of his death, but uh, that book, which does primarily take place on Ryloth. Um, yes, I, w- I was going to mention that, yeah, because that novel uh, focuses in on the Emperor and Vader, who are on Ryloth and I think it's about three years or four years or so after Revenge of the Sith. So it's not too far away from the time period that we're looking at right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I th- that is pretty interesting, though, that that they alluded to that in the book. And now they've actually confirmed that yeah. death. Yeah. From the bit I saw about it, I need to look in the actual book, but it sounded like it was a very minor retcon. But I would need to reread it. It's been so long since I read that book. I don't remember the details. I can't remember it either. Yeah, it, it's been years since I read it. But it was one of the first. Uh, it was it was one of the first books in the first wave of canon novels in that first year or so that they were coming out. So if anyone, if anyone out there is listening and you're like screaming at us through your headphones, <laughs> like what actually happened, let's send us an email and let us know. Uh, or call but yeah, in. Call or call in, leave a voicemail. Yeah. We got a link in the description. So yeah, I mean the death of the Senator, I liked it a lot. I mean, this is a character that we never see in rebels. So. And it was unexpected. And it was unexpected as well. So yeah, it was, you know, uh, a very surprising, a very surprising death can sometimes be a really good death, you know, uh, no, like Wer- like Werner Herzog's character in uh, Mandalorian, or the client is what he's referred to as. The guy with the metal, the German guy with the metal, 
And uh, and then, you know, Moff Gideon just comes in with all his death troopers and everything, tears apart the, the cantina and he just gets shot like six times and falls down dead. And I'm like, yeah. what the heck? Like, I thought this was the main guy. And, right? uh, yeah, all this lead up. Yeah, all this lead up. And now he, he's gone. And, and it's like this senator has been around a long time. Like we've seen him in the live action films. You know, it's, it's almost like them taking a character like uh, like you know oh like uh, exactly how they did with uh bib fortuna right like we've seen him yeah ever since the original films and then in one like post credit scene of all things and they just <laughs> kill him off and i'm like dude what? like i mean i liked it but it was like that that was surprising and yeah it was a lot yeah it was, it was a lot, lot to take, take in, in. It's pretty cool though <laughs> it got me wondering it did seem odd that he personally went on the the clone turbo tank. Yeah, to, that was kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like he joined them to go and like accuse the Sandula family of treason. You think that he would have like hung out in some like fancy royal place and just let all the clones whoever do the dirty work. Yeah. Here's what it tells me. The fact that he went on there, because I do find it very odd that he would get his hands dirty this one time. But I could see it happening if it meant he was able to accuse the Sundula family. Oh, he was excited, you think? He was like, excited. Yeah, he, he wanted, wanted to, be, to there. be there. Yeah, he wanted... He, I mean, he's had it in for Cham ever since season one or two of the Clone Wars. So, you know, we, these characters have been at odds for a long time. So I think, like, if he, he had the chance to incriminate any of them from the family or whatever, you know, he's going to go personally and oversee that himself. So no, that's fair. And I was thinking, well, if I was a villain, I knew this was happening. I would be more in a, a position of power and just like call in on on. Right. Like, yeah. He's the yeah, kind of guy like, that would do that too. Yeah. Exactly. Just like call in like hologram, or whatever, and just tell them like, oh yeah, it's so, like you're all accused of treason, whatever. But he he's not the most clever of people. I don't think he's he's a pawn. He's definitely a pawn in all this. Oh yeah. So, oh yeah. yeah for sure. I, of course, he would go there in person and get assassinated. <laughs> it just kind of makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Uh, did you uh, notice anything through this episode that you want to bring up? Hera had a French accent. <laughs> yes. So that is the accent of Ryloth. Her, of Ryloth. Yeah. And as we move forward through her in Rebels, she's lost that accent. Yeah. And which, I don't think I, Star Wars normally does that. Normally, whatever accent you have, like that's your accent. Yeah. So there was actually something about this. Um, and uh, I want to try and see if I can find it now. But because uh, I, I remember there was an episode in Rebels where her dad does show up and mm -hmm. uh, she does... Yeah. In, yeah. I, I vaguely remember that as well. Her, cause, cause she, she goes back to that accent, I think. Yeah. She kind of goes in and out of it, but in, in this younger age, we see that she's very much uh, part of that culture still and, and maintains it through the entire episode. But, um, I, yeah, I, I mean, it's, I feel like this was addressed at some point in one of the books. It may have even been a new dawn. I'm not entirely sure, but uh, at, at some point, I'm pretty sure within the canon, they have it. They have come up with some sort of explanation as to how she's lost her accent or like why she doesn't have it anymore. I mean, if she's on the run, I could see her wanting to hide her identity as well. 
Because oh yeah, yeah. Totally. By the end of this episode, she has been accused of treason. Is completely on the run. Right. Yeah. And any uh, any Ryloth native to, well, any, sorry, any Twi'lek native to Ryloth, and not a Twi'lek on another planet who's been raised somewhere else, uh, the ones on Ryloth were probably the ones all responsible for the uprising against the empire, right? Is that too? Yeah. So yeah, her accent would give her away as a treasonous kind of person, uh, which would make sense. I mean, you know, yeah, I, you'd I, blend in better for sure. If you don't have that specific accent. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can see that being the case. I also get that the most likely reason is the voice actress doesn't have a French accent. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think it was the same voice actress, by the way? It was, it was, no, it, was, it, was. Vanessa, it was, I'm pretty sure it was Vanessa Marshall. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I yeah. like that they did that. Sometimes when they go to the younger version, they'll change it up. Chopper through the whole episode, you know, uh, uh, it was cool. It was cool to see Chopper. I'm, I'm, you know, it makes a lot more sense uh, that he's just been in the family so long that she keeps him around because, man, he's annoying sometimes, you know, like he's well, he's now he, the only part of her family that yeah. she has left. In a way. Yeah, for sure. Because right now her parents are in custody. So, uh, yeah, I mean. I mean, that, that little droid means a lot to to them, uh, especially later on in, in Rebels and stuff. But um, but man, like it, there's been times where he's like a huge help to a mission. And there's other times in Rebels where he just totally Total, bought. Yeah, yeah he's, a, to he's a total. Yeah. And it's like it's like, all right. Yeah. Chopper, you're messing their thing up or whatever. Right. Because he's being a grump or whatever. And uh, doesn't doesn't follow orders and, and what, whatever, whatever it is. And it's like. You know, why wouldn't they just get a, a more efficient droid? But no, I get it. It's a family that, heirloom. Yeah, it's exactly it's heirloom. it, right? Yeah. It's passed down. Yeah, passed down. The old it, family I, tractor. It is also <laughs> fun, funny to think of that they're one of the, they should be one of the wealthiest people on the planet, but they have this total dumpster of a droid. Yeah, 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 <laughs> totally. So there might be even more of a story to why it's that one specifically. Maybe Hera <laughs> built him. Like, who knows? Maybe, maybe that's true too. Um, I mean, and like all Twi'leks, uh, I mean, it's a rags to riches story. I wouldn't say they're any by any means like a Ryloth's incredibly not a rich planet. No, it's not, and and I wouldn't by by any means say that Cham is any more wealthy than than the senator. Uh, I would say you know senator's probably loaded, and and Cham is gets the short end of the stick on that one. But but the people respect him because he's a normal guy. I think and, there's a uh, there's a bit to it because they showed a flashback um, of Hera when he was talking to Thrawn or whatever, and they showed some of their family art that's like ancient uh, Twi'lek art. So there's there's got to be some level of wealth going on there. Yeah, yeah, there's – yeah, there must be. I think towards the end of the war, maybe they get some sort of, yeah, uh, no, compensation before, for – Because Hera oh, was – Yeah, Hera was uh, – it was before, I think, even the Clone Wars. It's Hera – I think she was only five or six. She seemed very young, like maybe four. Oh, and there was a there's a flashback scene. Yeah. Oh, I can't remember that. With Is Thrawn, that... yeah. With it's Thrawn. when she breaks she breaks into Thrawn's office to like steal that like. Oh, that's heirloom. right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the uh, I forget what it's called now. It's the thing with the braids on the yeah. other side, right? Yeah. That's yeah. The one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, totally. 
I don't know how um, I, re- I remember that, but yeah, <laughs> it's very obscure. <laughs> I need to rewatch the show. Honestly, this has been uh, it's been too long since I've seen it. But uh, but yeah, it's it's been it's been so cool seeing these characters in this episode and getting them all a um, bit of an origin story to Hera's joining of a rebellion and and, uh, you know, finally kind of putting the Bad Batch crew to the side a little bit and so we can enjoy a different story with something else going on. They yeah. did find a way to bring them in with the whole weapons dealing thing going on with the, with the it's, it's funny. I almost would prefer it if they didn't, but I get why they did. Yeah, I get why they did. I, I, I would have, I'm also in your boat. I would have been happy just with Crosshair and even, even none of them. I, mean, I would have been fine if it was, they managed to work in Crosshair pretty well with all the sniping stuff, but yeah, yeah, the Bad Batch thing, I was like, okay, aside from the fact that it's like a weapons deal, it makes me wonder if they wrote the episode first and decided to work them in after, or if they based the entire episode around that weapons deal. Maybe. Or maybe the idea was they wanted Omega and Hera to be friends. Maybe. Maybe. I feel was, like something's going to come out of that. I think so, for too. Sure. Uh, if I look up the, uh, the title of the next episode, uh, which will be episode 12... It's a bit of a spoiler, but it is called <laughs> Rescue on Ryloth. Oh, what so, could it be about? Oh yeah, what could it be about? I don't wonder. Um, so Rescue on Ryloth is going to come out next Friday. And uh, what, are we, what are we thinking for this one? All, I mean, um, Bad Batch are going to get the call. They're going to come in and they're going to save Hera, who's on the run. Because they, the uh, the Imperial, I think it was, was talking to the to uh, Commander Hoser and was saying she can't be far. Like, get after her. Yeah. Because she's yeah. only on a speeder. She doesn't have flight. Yeah. And, uh, and Chopper's uh, at the wheel. So that's right. not going to be good either. So never, never <laughs> a good thing. But yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. It, it makes me wonder, though. Makes me wonder. It gives me hope about this, this bad, this, um, sorry, this uh, Boba Fett Cad Bane face off. It gives me hope that we're going to see that again. The fact that they just made an episode that didn't have the core group in it for the whole, the whole thing. Right. Like this this gives me hope. Honestly, after this episode, it got me thinking all those characters are kept re-seeing at the beginning. I wonder if we're going to get a story arc for each of them separate from the Bad Batch. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Maybe we'll get an episode with just, young Kanan, you know, showing up and meeting Hunter That's again. Possible. And, yeah, they have the model, so yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they brought it back. Right. And, you know, Kanan has a thing in for clones, so it also wouldn't surprise me if they didn't do that, just because you know, it's evident to him that clones are always just they're evil. bad. Right. Yeah, yeah they're, they're evil. He doesn't trust them. So it, it wouldn't really make a whole lot of sense if they had him meet trustworthy clones like the bad batch oh my gosh what if he meets Hera and they don't know they meet each other the entire novel a new dawn just rendered yeah. completely uncanon yeah I don't, I don't think they'll do that but uh, <laughs> i wouldn't go to pass some story group we'll see what happens yeah so, i guess i guess so you're like let's not forget George Lucas wanted us to meet young Han Solo as like a toddler. That's true. He was supposed to be in Revenge of the <laughs> it, Sith and yeah. that entire subplot got cut because otherwise it would have been like a six hour movie. <laughs> but uh, honestly, dude, like I, I, I've i always said this. I said this to Diego as well 
during Clone Wars talk, but I would have happily sat down and watched a four to six hour Star Wars movie. Like, I don't know if I want Han Solo in the prequels. Though. I mean, here's the thing. If it, if it, if it works as a movie, I don't care how long it is. I could sit there and watch it and I'd be fine. Yeah. Come on, Tui. We got to get to the Falcon. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't imagine him being uh, any. Le- well, I don't know. He must have been like 12 or 13, about the same age as Omega and Hera right now. Is he that much older than Luke? He's a couple years older than Luke and Leia. In 12 the, to in the 15 films. years older? Uh, in, well, I think in real life, they're, they're a, quite, a, quite an age gap, like 10 years or something, isn't there? Pretty sure. But um, yeah, I'm pretty sure in the movie, there's supposed to be a decent amount of years. Because, quite Solo, much, because Solo takes place five years after Revenge of the Sith. And Luke and Leia are born in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. So five years and he's and like... he's, what, like 17? Yeah. Like way so older. It's like, like 12. Ah, ah. Uh, it's making it weirder and weirder. <laughs> so yeah, I, I wouldn't have minded it, honestly. But it was... A strange concept, and I like Solo a lot better than the concept of having him in Revenge of the Sith. Agreed. Right? And like they already snuck in Chewbacca. I really don't know if we need the whole cast. Yeah, yeah. Seeing Chewbacca was cool, and you know, getting that origin origin of Kashyyyk, and finally got to even see Kashyyyk in the first place. Yeah, something that, too. that something that wasn't the holiday special. <laughs> Still canon. <laughs> No, it's not. I still love that scene <laughs> in the holiday special where they finally get to Kashyyyk for life day and they're on one of the treetops and there's only one stormtrooper there for whatever reason and he like drops his blaster yeah. and Han Solo like fakes to get it and the trooper like tries to go quicker and like slips and just falls out of the tree. That's <laughs> <laughs> honestly the only best part of that. that it's so good. I've watched that scene like 15 times. <laughs> <laughs> Someone needs to make a GIF about that. It's super GIF. good. Yeah, it's so, so yeah, awesome. It's, it's the best part of that entire thing. <laughs> it's so it's caught so bad. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, are we? Are we? Uh, uh, there's one more thing to bring up. It's non Bad Batch related. Is there? Do we cover everything we need to do for for this particular episode? I just thought it was neat that the Empire is already building a factory on Ryloth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, seeing the early the early stepping stones of of the Empire building on the backs of slaves, essentially. Yeah, and um, we know like there becomes a big rebellion, and I think does Ryloth end up becoming basically just like a slave planet? Uh, yeah, I believe I believe Ryloth ends up ends up uh, enslaving a lot of the the Twi'leks, just as, as they do uh, with the Wookiees, right? Wookiees, right? Yeah, Kashyyyk. Yeah, yeah. So, man, those Twi'leks, they're, they're always getting it rough. I hope the Bad Batch go to Kashyyyk as well. I would really like to see that. That would be cool. Form. That would be really cool to see. Uh, uh, man, that would be awesome. Like, Because we've seen the, the Wookiees show up before in the Clone Wars. But, you know, to, to actually have maybe another story of going there again and, and uh, maybe rescuing some, like, Tarful or something. I don't know. Just... Some of something the, just, just see yeah. that transition see bookies in cages being shipped off like it's pretty dark but that was oh, the yeah. canon and you yeah. know it's close enough to solo that 
you know, down the line, if, if, you know, if we were to hit a season two or three where it's like a year or two before Solo, I would not be surprised if we got the episode where Chewbacca gets captured by the Empire and ends up on Mimban or whatever the planet that... I was just going to bring that up because when he was captured on that planet, it didn't make sense to me that he would be there. So I feel like what must have happened was he... Because last time we saw him prior to that movie was on Kashyyyk and Revenge of the Sith. So I'm wondering then if the Empire starts a slave trade, which is canonized from the books on Kashyyyk, Chewbacca would have been enslaved on the on Kashyyyk, put into slavery, probably escape, and then my guess is from he got recaptured and put into the cell on Minban. Or, or he escaped before he gets enslaved and ends his way up onto that planet. Yeah, because you're right. It makes no sense for the Empire to bring a slave to a different planet only to keep him in a cage, right? Yeah, was, yeah so, exactly. Yeah, so he's there in the first place, then gets captured between the scenes kind of thing. And... Uh, yeah, it would make sense for there to be a, a an episode or something a bad batch. Maybe, maybe uh, I mean, because apparently this Sid person has so many connections to the Republic, it's crazy. Um, I don't know how the Empire hasn't gone after her yet, but whatever. <laughs> um, it seems as if that's you know she's the link that the Bad Batch has to all these recognizable faces, right? And uh, and so I would not be surprised if Chewbacca Tarful were one of them and uh called for aid you know call for a pickup kind of thing and bad batch is the the crew that actually is responsible for getting chewbacca off kashik in the first place yeah that would be that cool. wouldn't be either that would be a pretty pretty cool story i mean uh, a prison breakout <laughs> kind of episode that would be i'm down yeah um so i think they uh, i guess it's it's not canonized now but in the EU, they captured a lot of Wookiees to build the Death Star. But I think yeah. now it's just all Gene Oceans. Uh, well, in Rebels, in the I think it was the first episode, they did have uh, they did have a uh, a moment where the the Rebel crew rescues a bunch of enslaved Wookiees. So in canon, I mean, Wookiees have been been used as as slaves to help build things for the empire i don't know if the wookiees specifically are for the death star project or if that's just geonosians and robots and stuff but um regardless the wookiees are at some point in the canon slaves of the empire so yeah i'm sure we'll see it happen with the enslaving of the wookiees yeah one more point on that not to drag it on but in the it's those the trilogy of novels that replaced the Thrawn trilogy post Return of the Jedi, Empire's End, I think. So, oh yeah, um, at the aftermath trilogy. Yeah, yeah. that's it. The, one of the main villains in that book series is a Wookiee slave trader on Kashyyyk, who works for the Empire. A Wookiee that works for the Empire. No, he's, no, sorry, he's a human, but he sells Wookies on Kashyyyk. Oh, yeah, and works that's for right. The Empire. Right, right. Yeah, I do remember this. There was a whole like liberation of Kashyyyk in that book. Yeah, um, and and in the well, I think it was between the second and the third book, and Han Solo and Chewbacca helped do it. Right, they helped free the slaves on on Wookie on on uh, uh, Kashyyyk. 
Sounds about right. <laughs> I was about to say Wikipedia, and I was like, "That's a website." <laughs> All right, let's let's chat. Let's chat briefly about Star Wars Visions, just because uh, it's new. It's a it's a new headline uh, that you know many people are buzzing about, and uh, you know just wanted to quickly acknowledge that we are. I already did a light speed regarding this particular subject, but uh, have you had a chance to check out the trailer? for for visions yet i have not it's the first i've heard of it please enlighten me all right well you can look it up while i'm chatting very briefly about it if you want um it's uh star wars visions as we all know was the uh anime project that luke's film was partnering up with a couple different anime studios for to produce a series of shorts that would uh, exist telling various different tales in anime form and uh, more recently, we had a preview from the uh, Anime Expo Light, I believe it was. And we got a bit of a look into this particular project and uh, what they're referring to as an anthology series. And uh, one of the crazy parts about this is uh, they've managed to secure quite a few different companies. I think there's there's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. There's seven different production studios doing nine different shorts. Some of them are doing two, others are doing one. And uh, the the biggest title production company that they managed to get was Production IG, which is also known to have made uh, Ghost in the Shell. So like they got some pretty big names on. Uh, on the on the the roster for for visions and uh some of this stuff looks really cool i mean like a lot of stylized stuff in star wars came from japanese origins of some kind yeah, you know a lot of samurai influence in star wars for sure yeah so it feels natural to have star wars stories take place in in anime form and i'm surprised honestly that so many uh i mean these things just haven't haven't happened yet i mean two, people love the 2d clone Wars series because it has such a stylized art form oh man i i, lo- I love them so honestly yeah. they're some of the the best animation i think i've seen at least throughout all the the mid 2000s and yeah and and i mean now this is uh you know fresh anime uh you know it's like the same same style as as other anime but it's just like brand new and it's star wars so pretty cool stuff uh, the only thing that kind of has a lot of people puzzled is that it's clearly not intended to be canon, which is oh, which this makes it the first thing aside from the ongoing uh, Old Republic video game. Uh, and the this- Star Wars sequel trilogy. just kidding (laughs) it's, it's the only thing that they've intentionally released knowing that it's not going to fit into the existing continuity. And uh, it's kind of bizarre, if I'm honest, it's going to be confusing to people. And I know that like officially quotations, it won't then won't be canon But for a lot of people. It'll be like canon to them. Right. Like it'll be in their mind. This happened. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, the, on StarWars.com, there is uh, there is a page I'll link in the description. Uh, it's also linked in the Lightspeed episode, uh, which uh, addressed this as well. But the second point on that page is titled Star Wars Vision Storytelling Didn't Have to Fit Into the Timeline. Uh, in developing the series, Lucasfilm made the decision to let creators tell the stories they wanted to tell, whether they featured established or original characters without a need to tie into the larger chronology. 
we wanted to give these creators a wide creative berth to explore all the imaginative potential of the Star Wars galaxy through a unique lens of anime, James Will said. I wonder if, so you know how Kathleen Kennedy was on record saying, I can't remember how long ago this was, but you said like the, the issue they have with Star Wars as opposed to, Mo- to uh, Marvel is they don't have any reference material. I wonder if this is them trying to make their own reference material. I mean, we all know the EU exists, so that's nonsensical. But I wonder if this would have been like spun off of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. Maybe it came from that idea. It's possible it just came from the idea of... I mean, we know that Marvel is launching their What If series later this year, which is an animated 2D project. Not anime, but animated. And uh, it's telling alternate universe stories of what if basically what if peggy carter was captain america what if everyone was a zombie what if uh thor was actually t'challa uh you know stuff crazy stuff like that right and um it's telling stories um with a twist uh the stories from the mcu that we've seen in the films with a twist right so i feel like with Marvel, even though there is such this massive franchise with even more movies than Star Wars has and a huge consistency thing, right? Like they're, the MCU is Marvel movies in a consistent storyline, right? Yeah. So if as far as continuity goes, there is no better example than the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, um, you know, I feel yes, like even if, a, well, even if a franchise like that can make the decision to make a show like this with telling an alternate story that doesn't fit into that chronology i guess they were like hey we can just do it at lucasfilm as well and there's one major difference to that though the the cinematic universe for marvel is only live action there's no animated stuff that fits into that that's true and there's no books no comics no anything well star wars is all media is canon yeah multimedia yeah you're right yeah where marvel already has comics whatever coming out and animated shows as well that aren't canon. Yeah, there's a clear separation with Marvel as to what's MCU and what isn't because we just look at all the live action stuff and go, oh, that's MCU. And then, you know, and then uh, and then the comics are a completely separate thing with Star Wars. It, like, you're right. It's a it's a multimedia wide canonicity. So books, comics, audiobooks, video games, everything like it all plays into this larger canon story. And uh, it is a bit of a curveball having something like this come out because we then start to puzzle, you know, they made such a big deal about putting this Legends banner on everything, right? When they wanted to make canon stuff again. And uh, it makes me wonder, like, are they caring less about that? I mean, we've seen recent launches with republished artwork on brand new books with a brand new legends banner saying essential legends collection we had heir to the empire be re-released uh shatterpoint a clone wars novel all legends books we just had them re-released not that long ago even one of the darth bane books here's and the, they, they here's launched the, with new artwork new yeah. banners here's the bitter side of that from my opinion or like yeah that could be a, a disney decision to resell these and make more made more money by selling these books to kids that have only known the new canon of course yeah <laughs> like of course yeah that's probably I mean, I mean, an angle somewhere no the, oh the the angle of of making any form of star wars 
content is always at the end of the day to make money on the franchise. But because, you know, we, we can't forget who owns it now. But it's uh, it is curious to me that they approached this and thought, let's just give Star Wars as a license to these anime companies and just let them have at it just so that we can see just the because I mean, I'm not massively into anime. All right. Like I know some people listening might be huge anime fans. Don't tear me apart for not being an anime <laughs> fan. It's not that I hate it. It's just I just don't watch a, a lot of it at all. Um, I, although I have seen a few and uh, it's not entirely my cup of tea. But but here's the thing about anime. Sometimes it can be really out there, right? Like super crazy stuff. And sometimes that's an amazing thing if the story ends up working really well. Other times for a lot of people, it's just a little too much, right? With it depends Star Wars, on the it's anime. like, yeah, it depends on the anime. With Star Wars, it's like this license and this visual art form and the style of, of the universe fits so well with Japanese art in the first place that I felt like they were like, we just want to give this license to anime creators and have them create the best form of content for that audience like for the people who enjoy anime and even people even people who don't like anime or just haven't seen or not familiar with it but who are star wars fans will still enjoy it because it's star wars stuff right that's true Um, and also just think about all the new fans that are going to start liking star wars because they were originally anime fans and checked it out oh yeah exactly yeah and and i mean this could be a um this could be one of two things firstly it could be a, a birth for them to consistently consistently tell more stories in this non-canon format right like they could go forward and say we're going to approach um this other like we're going to make a random comic series that just isn't canon and we're just going to do some crazy stuff in there like like we've seen it happen in in back prior to disney we saw that happen a few times and uh and you know it's maybe we'll see it again i never until the more recent announcement, I thought this entire time that Visions was going to be canon and it's not. And that, that surprised me a lot hmm. and is not necessarily a bad thing. This is a good thing. Like this is I'm fine with this. Right. Um, because it gives a lot of potential to have these stories made. Some of the biggest complaints about some of these canon novels is that they've been too restricted with what they can do. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I also, this is partially what I was saying earlier, is there, I think part of it is they're now creating new content that they can then steal from to make new films and stuff. Like yeah. it'll ins- inspire canon things. Yeah, absolutely. It'll inspire things. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a possibility that we could see visions come out, people love it, and then they could take one of those characters and roll it into a form of canon later, right? So yeah. the, effectively and making a new bin of source inspiration to draw from for canon stories later on. And sorry to make this conversation so circular, but I think that might be part of the reasons why those non-canon books are coming back is there's probably certain things in those specific books that they're looking at recanonizing. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I mean, we have seen it before with Thrawn and... And uh, I mean, Dave, Dave is a big advocate for for leaning into the EU quite a bit for yeah, bring, bringing things back, right? That's exactly what I'm thinking. I wouldn't be surprised if, because correct me if I'm wrong, but three of the books that they republished were the original Thrawn trilogy. 
Uh, yeah, they they are republishing the original Thrawn trilogy. One of them that's already on the shelf was is the first one is Heir to the Empire, but they yeah. they they have announced that the other two will follow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's yeah. what I heard. So I'm just making sure. That yeah. means, and this is something I've been kind of playing with the idea of is Dave has set up that timeline of the end of uh, Return of the Jedi within Rebels and stuff and Mandalorian to actually f- create the Thrawn trilogy in the new canon. Right. Thrawn was gone for the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. He was uh, way off in the a, a, uh, Outer Rim. We know that from the ending of, of Rebels. Yeah. And they've kind of alluded to him being back with Ahsoka in Mandalorian, which means he could be coming back with that massive fleet and re get all of the uh, separate Imperial uh, factions to all work together and make an actual enemy against the new Republic. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what happened in those books. Right. Right. And, uh, and it's not like we have an incredible amount of books and stuff after return of the Jedi anyways, because they approached the sequel. So, left field that that there's not a lot of material bridging those two trilogies which is kind of why the sequels feel so disconnected from everything right yeah i agree and, with that. and so like the, the these live action shows could create this really cool bridge of of telling these events that aren't going to contradict anything later and they're going to be good stories regardless because you know people have loved mandalorian so far um but uh yeah i mean it the potential to bring stuff out of legends and stuff has always kind of been there for Disney to play with. That was it was there as a suggestion from the beginning, and it's always it's always been there. And fans love the EU, and like you know, there's so many of so many of my favorite stories come mm-hmm. out of the EU because I mean, you know, let's not forget that this is the Star Wars that like you and I grew up with. Like, yes, yeah, you know, true, because there like, were huge we, gaps between shows, right? Yeah, like we grew up with knowing that Jason and Jaina Solo were. Han and Leia's kids, like yeah, and you know, then Ben Skywalker was Luke's yeah, and the, with Mary yeah, Jane. and then Anakin Solo was the third child that that Leia and Han died. Uh, Leia and Han had, and you know, we know that Chewbacca was crushed by a planet, and you moon, know, like yeah. <laughs> the Yuuzhan Vong War. Like, like there's so many, so many things that come out of that that Legends non-canon timeline that are uh, resonating with uh, nostalgia for so many of us, right? Yeah, and like one thing that I thought they were going to do and they never did was Jason and Jaina, Jason turns to the dark side and Jaina has to like turn him back, which was such a cool yeah. storyline. Like two, yeah. I think they were twins or close they're twins. Yeah, twins. They're twins, yeah, where one yeah. turns to the dark side. Yeah. Which yeah. is a fascinating story. Yeah, and it's you know, and and some elements of that have kind of made its way into a resemblance of of Ben Solo a little bit, but um, but I mean, I guess we're kind of getting pulled away from the <laughs> topic. But if they were to, if they were to if they were to take Star Wars Visions and just kind of have it there, right, just as something, like I, you know, I'm fine with that. There's a lot of people complaining about it, but like I, you know, I'm I'm okay with having stories outside of the canon and i'm a big advocate for canon stuff but um or just not even just canon stuff but like consistency right chronologically consistent stuff and uh i mean anything that they can do to to just give fans a lot of stories to be happy about 
and then to even just draw from those things like that's just good storytelling right i mean it's it's a mythology and and you know what what's a mythology if you're, we're writing it like a rule book right like no, it should true. be it gets boring and everything yeah. becomes what's the word i want stagnant I mean, everything just yeah. starts to feel the same, right? It, it's a, then it becomes a formula and, and something that isn't any a, a creative anymore. It's something that, that, you know, they're like, we got a formula for making Star Wars stories and this is it. And, and, you know, a select few people start to do these things. And this is why I like High Republic so much, because like they're bringing in all some, all these best authors making Star Wars books and stuff, putting them in a room and being like, let's make a whole new era. And then later on, we're going to make a show in that era. And then who knows what else is going to come our way, like video games, movies, whatever. But that's, that's, why, the acolyte, that's, that's why the Acolyte is going to be amazing. That's why everyone really liked KOTOR when it came out. Yeah. Same reason. It was Star Wars that felt like Star Wars in a different era where they could really do whatever they wanted. Yeah, and they had excellent writers on that on that as well. So um, writers who are fans, you know, and, and that's kind of the key, I think, is having people who absolutely love Star Wars make Star Wars content. And part of the Star Wars visions thing is not a requirement. They said that people working on it was a Star Wars fan, but it just so happens that all these people that work in these anime studios are huge Star Wars fans. They love Star Wars. I right? believe it. Yeah. I'm, and, and I think we're going to get some really, yeah, yeah. we're going to get some cool stuff. I believe it. Yeah. What's the release date for that? Did they announce it? Yep, September 22nd on Disney Plus, everyone. So make sure you tune into the show. And uh, we're going to be, of course, chatting about that. I guess I guess it'll be uh, the next thing that we talk about, even before Book of Boba Fett, we'll be doing an extensive chat on Star Wars Visions as we get those released. And, and if they, assuming they don't release them in bulk, I imagine it's the typical Disney Plus thing where it's week to week on a Friday. But, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in to the show. As always, it always helps us if you can share the show with a friend, drop that five-star rating or leave a review. Even just one of those three helps us out. If you've never been to the show before, don't worry about it. Stick around for a while, tune into a very variety of episodes and uh, even scroll back, check out some of our old ones, you know, see what we're all about. And uh, we, you know, we're loving, we're, we love to improve the show. So if you have any feedback, please send it through at SWSKPodcast at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at SWSKPodcast. Our Instagram is at SWSKPodcast. And all of them are listed in the description of this episode right below, as well as any relevant links that uh, might have something to do with today's episode. Make sure you check it out, as well as the World Vision link to donate at their website. We love to hear from you guys, so you can also send in a voicemail at our SpeakPipe address, which is also down there as well. Lots of stuff looking forward to on the show. We got uh, only a few episodes left of The Bad Batch, and then uh, we won't be too, too far away from, uh, from, I guess it would be The Book of Boba Fett. Until then, we also have lots of High Republic news. Wave 2 has dropped. Lots of new books on the shelf. We're going to be reviewing those down the line, maybe in about a month or something like that. Get everyone digesting those before we start spoiling it all for you guys. So uh, it'll give us a chance to read it as well. Keep looking out for those What Happened episodes. we got a few coming your way, as well as an episode regarding all things about the Force and various different types of Force powers. That'll be exciting. May the Force be with you guys. We'll see you next time on Star Wars Escape Pod.